Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Sue Marquese with American Industrial Hygiene Association. Welcome, Sue. Hi, Lee. Great to be here. I am so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about the AIHA. How are you serving folks? Absolutely. So AIHA is actually uh, an association that has been around for almost 100 years. Industrial hygiene has a little bit of a misnomer. And so the way we like to explain it is that AIHA is the association for scientists and professionals who are committed to preserving and ensuring occupational and environmental health and safety, or OEHS, um, in the workplace and the community. So some people have thought industrial hygiene means that that's for professionals who are cleaning buildings, but it's really not. It's about ensuring that there is reduction of risk, mitigation of any kind of problems that could lead to further health issues. So they're really scientists and really not people who are just cleaning buildings. <laughs> now, when when there is sometimes confusion when it comes to a brand like that, how has that evolved over time? Was, did it start out always being about scientists and just the name was kind of created confusion or, or has it evolved over the years? Yeah, so back in uh, 1939 when it was founded, it was it was the industrial revolution, right? So there were uh, just it, it made sense for the professionals who got into this space to be known as industrial hygienists because it was typically in the manufacturing factory type of setting. But then it really expanded uh, to military, uh, laboratory, academia, you know, it, it just really expanded outside of industry or industrial. So over the decades, it sort of became this misnomer. And that's why uh, back in 2018, when the board of directors of our organization took a step back, they said, you know what, maybe it's time. We need to, to revisit this. So after market research with our own members and some outside allied professionals, we decided, you know what, it's time to really just be known as AIHA for the legacy factor. But when we try to introduce our brand and, and, and the concept of this association and what our members do, we introduce it by explaining what occupational and environmental health and safety is. So we've had to kind of do what I call a brand evolution. <laughs> um, we really didn't rebrand, arguably, um, but we just have begun to uh, tell the story uh, of not just what our members do, but the outcomes and how they can affect lives and communities. So it was, it has been uh, a bit challenging, but we did do this brand evolution back in 2018 uh, through 2020, we launched and it was three prong approach. So it was change the logo, sure. Um, but it was also about educating the general public. So through earned media, public awareness campaigns, 
Um, and then the third and final is uh, outreach to universities, uh, trade schools, et cetera, to try and raise the awareness factor of what is this uh, particular organization? What is this particular profession? And that was the hallmark of this brand evolution. AIHA used to just represent uh, membership strictly, but the evolution turned into opportunity for us to brand the profession of these OEHS professionals. Now, were the members kind of saying, hey, great, finally, that creates clarity. Now, people understand the importance of my work? Or was it something that they were like, did you have a struggle from a membership standpoint? Or was this something they were hungry for? So I I think that uh, the answer is yes. (laughs) Um, We had a little bit of both. Um, And uh, ultimately, when we started our market research studies, when we were doing interviews and a full survey to the membership and focus groups, we did it very deliberately to make sure we had the data behind the fact that uh, the majority of members were uh, all for it and and were full steam ahead on doing this brand evolution. Uh, so by all means, we definitely weren't just doing this in a small isolated room in our offices. And we made sure that we talked and, and communicated with the members in advance. And they really were the ones who made us go in that direction with the one caveat, and that is don't get rid of our legacy. So there, that's where AIHA still remains. And uh, I guess we were kind of thinking, well, you know, Geico did it, right? You know, or uh, IBM did it. Nobody knows what those uh, stand for as acronyms anymore. Uh, and AIHA is uh, the opportunity for us to then explain. So that's our brand is really just AIHA. But then it is about who our members are. So that said, we we try to ask them, talk with them, communicate with them. And we did not do it, as I, as I mentioned, from 2018 to 2020. It took us two years, not because we were dragging our feet, but we were trying to be deliberate. Um, all that to say, in 2020, when we launched, there were laudatory remarks from many, many members, even uh, outside allied professionals saying, this really helps. This definitely is going to help raise the awareness of the profession and the membership. And then, of course, we definitely heard from people who were super vocal and um, were not happy, thinking that we were turning our back on the, the history of the organization. But, you know, Lee, they were really few and far between. I think that we actually counted about three people who were super vocal about it out of our 8,500 members across the country and Canada. So, uh, you know, we we had to be super cautious in how we approach this. And yet I do recognize the fact that people are going to want to hold on to their history uh, and the hard work that they did, you know, in their careers, why turn their back on it? But rather, we looked at it as an opportunity to enhance uh, the future of the profession. So, yep, you know, we had uh, a couple of naysayers and a couple of people who were not happy, but we also addressed them one-on-one and had opportunities to uh, have open town hall meetings to get out concerns or whatever it may be, even after we launched. So, uh, I think that 
All in all, we had a very successful brand refresh. And uh, this brand evolution has really served us well as an organization. In fact, as organizations have been suffering over the last couple of years during and post-pandemic, AIHA's membership acquisition has grown and our retention has been phenomenal. Yeah, those are all clues that maybe you're on the right path. I think so. (laughs) Now, um, as a member of AIHA, what is kind of, what are they looking to get out of the membership? How how do you help them take the profession and their own career to a new level? So there is a um, particular function uh, of an industrial hygienist or an occupational and environmental health specialist. Those people are not just making sure people are wearing steel toe boots, you know, in a dangerous construction setting, or uh, they're not making sure that there's no injuries on the job. Those are not the only things that they do. They're actually taking scientific experiments and, and sending them to laboratories. And, and digging deep, almost as if they were kind of, I guess you can say, forensic scientists um, in the workplace and making sure that there were things that uh, are not harmful. They are also uh, instrumental in making sure that PPE, uh, which has suddenly become a household word, where in the past it had not been, but you know, with the pandemic, something that OEHS professionals have done um, for years to ensure that there's proper PPE usage in the workplace. That's one of their functions. And and now that is, that has become a household word, uh, unfortunately, I guess, on one hand, uh, because of the pandemic. So the function of the professionals also leads to the fact that they need additional education. They need to keep up their relevance in the field. They also have an opportunity to go after a certification called a CIH, Certified Industrial Hygienist, or CIH designation. Uh, Because of that designation, a lot of our uh, members do turn to AIHA to seek out very reputable education, webinars, courses, various opportunities at our annual conference, which happens in May uh, every year. So that is a predominant reason. Uh, A lot of people usually say that they're involved with AIHA. That's predominant. But the number one, when we do our needs survey, our our member needs survey, the number one reason that they want to be involved with AIHA and the benefit that they feel they can take away is association with our reputation. Being involved with AIHA has uh, an opportunity for them, I guess, for networking, uh, but also uh, for the strength of our role with these professionals and in companies. So this is where we always hear that it's about, I'm I'm joining AIHA because I need to, I want to, not just for the education, but because uh, I have to for my, to, to uphold my reputation as a professional. The other benefits, of course, there are numerous ones. I, I can't even go on. I'll, I'll waste everyone's time telling you about them. But I can tell you the la- the, uh, the third benefit that we always hear is our uh, wonderful publications. I have the Synergist magazine, which comes out uh, 11 times a year. And then we also have our journal for occupational and environmental hygiene. So those are just the the top 
three reasons um, and and benefits that members enjoy. Now, are there um, chapters locally around the country for people who want to get involved? Or is this a, a national like conference that everybody goes to? Like, ha- how does an individual kind of plug in? Yeah, AIHA has local sections, although they are not directly part of national, um, they are our affiliates and uh, they are their own standalone entities, um, their own 501c3. Uh, But we as an association foster them, work with them, encourage them. In fact, we even have a staff presence, a person on staff, make sure that the local sections are provided with graphic design needs or uh, things to keep them rolling at a very easy pace rather than them having to start things from scratch. So even though AIHA National doesn't necessarily uh, manage all of the local sections, uh, they um, are tied to us. Uh, We also have our annual conference and our annual conference brings together a lot of our volunteer groups. AIHA is one of the most unique organizations in that our members cover so many different industries. You know, like I mentioned earlier, maybe back in the 30s, it was just really manufacturing, but now it has hit every single industry you could imagine. So our committees are as numerically large uh, as the industries that our members touch. So we have committees such as Respiratory Protection Committee, um, Biological Hazards Committee, Incidents Response Committee. You know, so there are just there for first responders or for indoor air quality, you know, and, and things of that nature. So because of that, our committees, I believe we are over 70 committees and working groups at AIHA, super active volunteers. That's an opportunity for them to all meet at our annual conference. Next year in 2023 is going to actually be in Phoenix. We change locations every year. And this is an opportunity for the committees to get together, but also for the members to take advantage of concentrated amount of time to get their contact hours. So the conference usually is about 18 to 19 contact hours for three days. So our membership really does kind of span uh, the entire country, as I mentioned earlier, but also uh, a lot of people from Canada. Now, um, getting back to that brand evolution that you were talking about, how are you seeing kind of public relations and this level of communications? How have you seen it evolve since, you know, in your career in uh, working with associations? I I have a sort of like, I, I like to consider that there is such a thing as modern public relations. Um, there is um, the typical uh, earned media of public relations, you know, where you you draft a press release and pitch it to different media outlets. That's definitely still alive and well, and we do it. You know, AIJ, my, my team and I, we do that. The modern portion of PR um, or public uh, relations that I have really espoused over the years in my entire career has been public awareness. Uh, and, and to me, that is done in so many different ways Uh, whether it's taking advantage of social media. But one thing that we do at AIHA is we do uh, in our uh, public relations department that I run is um, targeted outreach. 
So, for example, um, we have this public awareness campaign um, that I mentioned earlier about getting the word out about the value of OEHS. When we launched that a couple of years ago during the pandemic, uh, we were able to uh, reach out to different large industry professional associations and connect our members with them. For example, chemical manufacturing is specifically chemical as opposed to product manufacturing. Chemical manufacturing has a lot of hazards, a lot of potential impacts. We uh, know and our members believe that it is not just about checking the box and making sure that they are following OSHA standards. It's definitely important. Of course, it's, it's paramount, but there's more to it. It's about going that extra yard and making OEHS a core value in a company. So that's what we did. Uh, we had um, brand ambassadors from our membership write uh, blog articles and be interviewed and different things like that with various chemical manufacturing professional associations or even trade. Uh, American Ke- Chemistry Council, for example, uh, had done some coverage of the imperative for OEHS in the workplace. So those are just a couple of quick examples of how uh, I think it's modern PR, uh, because even though we were not necessarily getting coverage in the Wall Street Journal or something of national impact like that, we were actually doing very, very targeted uh, media outreach to those key audiences that we know our members can impact. Yeah, I think that as the media consumer is becoming more and more fragmented, they're looking for those niche publications and outlets to find the information that's important to them. And to show up there is probably more efficient than to be in the Wall Street Journal that, uh, you know, a lot of folks that it's not as, you know, relevant to them or as uh, impactful as it is to the way you're doing it, that the folks that should hear it and need to hear it are going to hear it if you work through the the media that these people are paying attention to every day. Exactly. Yep. That's the philosophy. That's our strategy. Yeah. Now, are you seeing that as um, a trend or is that just kind of the evolution of media now that it's so fragmented and that everything is kind of on demand when people are, they're trying to find the information when they need it in the places that they, um, you know, are, are used to looking uh, rather than, you know, maybe 20 years ago when there were just kind of the go-to media outlets that everybody paid attention to. It seems like everybody nowadays is on their own journey and that yeah. they have their own kind of media that they look at and that it's hard to reach any large group of people with one message uh, efficiently anymore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, It's definitely a trend. Uh, It is definitely what I would call a modern PR uh, professional should have that in in their quiver uh, as a strategy. Um, So it's definitely a trend. And I like how you said it, Lee, you know, like everybody is really having the opportunity to choose their own news and their own outlets and things like that. Um, And I think that that's exactly what we as association PR communication professionals need to do. And that is to hone in on where we think 
the right people are going to be reading uh, and and then go where they live, you know, and go where they read uh, and try to get involved in their interests. We at AIJ are actually doing that through a bunch of other ways besides person power, where we pick up the phone or we, you know, contact associations and do some of the education like I was talking about earlier. But we're also doing a lot of digital, pure MarTech kind of, you know, uh, types of efforts where we're looking at geo-targeting people for attracting them to become customers for our education, uh, for our uh, purchase of our books and, and other things like that. We are doing a lot of web advertising. Uh, in fact, just recently, we dipped our foot in the pool of hiring a digital audit to be accomplished because we wanted to make sure that we were actually doing things that were effective, that were actually going to be seen by the right people. Um, So whether it's for PR or for marketing even, um, I make sure that we are trying to have some very targeted, very laser pointed types of efforts and campaigns. Because after all, we are really tiny. Um, Our organization is a total of 62 people. My team is only a total of six. Um, And yet we have um, some tremendous energy and and, uh, opportunities, but we also want to make sure that MarTech is working for us. You know, the technology is uh, smart and that our strategies are implemented properly. Now, can you give some advice for the association leaders out there to in and around how to create that team that plays nice together? Because sometimes marketing, PR, advertising, there's kind of a blurring of the lines of who does what and and the impact that each are having. How, How do you kind of create a team that can work together well on that overarching mission? Yeah. Well, interesting story. When I got to AIHA eight years ago, I was unfortunately met with that exact thing that you just described. There was a lot of... um kind of factions or I don't know, silos or whatever the thing may be, however you call it, I had to uh, come in and see what I could do um, and and try to see how we could all work together. Um, The absolute first thing that I did was I sat down individually with each one of my team members and I talked with them about their personal brand. So I started one-on-one and helped them look inside themselves as to how they wanted to be perceived as a professional. And I continue to work with each one of those people, whether they were here eight years ago or they're new to our team a couple of months ago. I, I do the exact same exercise with everybody and I revisit it on a regular basis because that's one way I can help coach my team into being the best professional that each one of them can can be. Uh, So that is a mission of my own. Uh, And uh, as a whole, I have seen that work quite well at our organization. It's it's really important for me to have a brand standard for our marketing communications and PR. And we as a department run the department with that brand standard first and foremost. And so if I had any advice to give to anybody, I would say Look internally first 
and make sure that your team is where they want to be. Um, because then as they are comfortable with themselves and they are more sure footed and know that they have uh, someone who has their back, um, meaning that PR or that communications um, manager or director, they can then do their very best to work with others in, in the department, in the entire association. So there's a lot to be said about how you go about doing that and how much time you you spend doing that. But to me, it's worth every minute of your of your time as a director or as a VP because um, ultimately it really does come back and help. Yeah, you have to listen. You have to allow people to be heard. Um, so you can all get on the same page of what we're all trying to accomplish here. <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah. And, and uh, again, the brand standard, like I mentioned earlier, is um, you know something that we try to revisit every couple of years because things may change. Uh, but ultimately, we've pretty much as a department, we have kept to our brand standard. And it's basically almost like running our internal Marcom and PR department like an, an agency, you know, uh, as if we were an internal agency for our different department teams, membership, professional communities, you know, education, etc. So yeah, that is definitely something I think if Marcom and PR could help become the hub of the wheel, um, that I think is a very huge accomplishment for an association. So what do you need more of? How can we help? You have helped so far really phenomenally <laughs> by allowing us to have this opportunity uh, to, um, to to speak on the, the radio show. Uh, what a tremendous way for us to get the word out about our profession and uh, also for me to talk up my phenomenal colleagues uh, who I work with and, and all of the phenomenal accomplishments actually many award-winning accomplishments as well. But one other thing that we can uh, the, if you all could do to help and that is to get involved in um, ASAE. Um, uh, and I myself am a CAE now. Um, and it was something that took a long time. <laughs> but I think that getting involved with ASAE, the association, is something that's important for association professionals, uh, whether it's just, I don't know, you know, sitting on a committee or even just simply uh, reviewing potential awards uh, and, and uh, being someone who gives back to the association because there's so much, so much education, so much wonderful information that they uh, provide for, for those of us who are CAEs, who are certified association executives, or even just in general for um, folks who are in the associate, association space. Well, Sue, thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wants to learn more about AIHA or um, connect with you, what are the coordinates? What's the best way to... Do that. Yep, we have a uh, website which is uh, aiha.org. We also have oehscareers.org. That's for people who might be interested in getting involved in the particular profession. So um, please check it out. And uh, they're very consumer oriented and very useful tools for people. Well, Sue, thank you again for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. Have a great one. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio.